Good morning, everybody. Um, I'd written on my notes, I'm a little nervous, but I, I'm actually not nervous at all. So um, I'm very excited um, to be sharing my first sermon with you all. Um, you may have seen my face up here before doing service leading, um, but I'm stoked to have been given a spot on the preaching roster. Um, I was saying to Brett, I feel like it's a little bit of like an American Idol audition. Um, and if I'm back on the next roster, then you'll know that I made it to Hollywood. So... <laughs> Um, you also may see some new faces today, um, some are my special people from outside Welcome Bay Community Church who have come to support me. Um, so I'm just going to quickly pray and then I'll get into it. Um, Lord, I come before you humbled and grateful to be given an opportunity to speak up here. I know that it comes with responsibility um, and I pray that I would fulfill that in your strength, Lord. I thank you that you have gone before me. I pray that you would speak through me today. And that what I say would come straight from your heart and sink deep into the hearts of those listening. Amen. So earlier this month, um, I randomly came across a list of 2023 band baby names. Um, That is a list of names that people have submitted to name their child, um, which had been declined by whoever it is that prevents... Um, lifelong regret and resentment towards parents. Um, Some of the most outrageous that I thought I'd share with you were XIX, um, Sovereign Cash, um, King Killer, uh, Isis, Rogue, 1113, uh, Messiah, Santa Claus, and a JP. I think those parents were just trying to save time going to a justice of the peace. Um, In the 2023 release, uh, Registrar Russell Bernard shared that names are a gift They are an important part of a person's identity. We encourage parents to think about their child and how they might feel about their name later in life. Some obviously think more than others. Um, But this concept that names carry meaning and identity dates way back to Old Testament times. Throughout scripture, people were given by God, by their parents, um, meaningful names And God often, through scripture, gifted or changed people's names to reflect or represent part of their identity. The same, then, is true with God himself. His name, or names, reflects his identity. Um, And as I speak, I'm going to, I've asked Brett, I've made a cute little handout for you, inspired by Andrew. Um, He gave out handouts last week, so I was like, I've got to keep this going. Um, No, so I've written out um, a little handout for all you guys with some, well, all of the names of God. Um, years ago, I was probably like 16, 17, I felt led to research the names of God. So I looked up all the different names that God was given in the Bible. I found out what the translation was. I hand wrote them out. Um, these are all the ones that are on the handout. Um, and then, sorry, let me just sort through this. I then looked up each name. I looked up the key English word in the concordance and wrote out all the verses where the name of God appeared. I'll give you an example. Um, And this is more to expose what a nerd I am than um, try and one-up you guys in terms of your Bible research. Um, So like, this is an example of all the scriptures that mentions the Lord is our shepherd. Um, And every single name of God on the handout um, has been mentioned at least once in scripture. Um, I know, super nerd alert, but there you go. You guys learn a little bit more about me every time I'm up here. Um, I, doing this, I was absolutely blown away um, by the magnitude of who and of everything that God is. If you look down at your page, you, I hope that you feel the same. This project uh, led me to be so deep in awe and so grateful of who my God is. 
Um, to name a few, um, for those of you who may not have the required spectacles, um, the font is very small. Um, and I may butcher the pronunciation, but we've got Jehovah Jireh, um, the Lord my provider. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Jeolik, the Lord my redeemer. Jehovah Mekadishkim, the Lord who makes you holy. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. El Olim, everlasting God. Elohim Chastity, God of loving kindness. El Roar, God who sees me. And Pela Uez, wonderful counsellor. I'm going to let you go home and um, check the rest of them out. But I'm going to come back to this point of God's names and his identity. Uh, but for now, let me jump into a bit of a personal story. Last year, as some of you may know, I was battling with pretty severe eczema. Um, I had it for about like two and a half years, um, but the last six months of last year, it got like rapidly worse. Um, it covered my hands, it was spreading like up my arms, um, and it quickly overtook my life. It went through phases of being like ridiculously itchy to being raw and open. I was going to be like, hey, Frank, do you want to chuck some pictures of my hands up on the thing? And I was like, I better not like gross you guys out. Um, so it went from being like super itchy to being raw and open um, to being dry and incredibly painful. Um, it got to the point where I wasn't able to cook, um, do dishes, wash my own hair or really even hold things. Um, shout out to Brett for <laughs> carrying the team over that time. Um, I would soak my hands multiple times a day in like ice water and vinegar just to get some relief. Um, I burnt through ridiculous amounts of money um, buying every cream and potion that I was recommended. Um, I used up all my sick leave. Uh, this was like kind of becoming the biggest feature of my life. Um, despite all my efforts to stop it from getting that way. Um, it was affecting every part of my life. It affected my work, it affected my home, it affected my social life, my sleep, my mental health, my physical health, um, my relationships. I, as um, we have the privilege of doing in this country, went to the doctor um, and got turned down for a referral to a dermatologist. Um, they said that at that time they were only taking like skin cancer um, patients. And I was just feeling so hopeless um, throughout this time, I was reading the Word, um, and I was doing my morning reflections. Um, to be fair, these were pretty limited, as often my hands were too sore or raw to like hold the pen and write. So throughout this time, I was also praying for healing, and was battling with the reality that I was asking God for something, and I wasn't receiving it. So I decided I'd take a logical approach um, to this battle in my mind. Um, this battle, how can God be a healer? How can he be Jehovah Rapha and not be healing me? So I narrowed it down to three rational options, which I thought I would work through with you all. Um, number one is that God is not a healer at all. That was an option. Um, number two is that God is a healer, but he isn't healing me. Um, and number three is that God is a healer and he is healing me. So I'll take you through each one of my options. Um, option number one, um, if one is true, then God isn't a healer. That means he's not Jehovah Rapha, which means he's not everything he says he is, which would make him a liar, which would mean that nothing he says can be trusted. You can see the snowballing, which means that scripture is therefore not even true, which means that my entire faith is based on a lie. <laughs> um, when I worked through this option with Brett, he just looks at me and he goes, it's pretty dark. <laughs> um, so I discarded one as being a valid option. Um, I know that I know that I know um, that the Lord is who he says he is. 
Um, and I know that I know that I know that his word is real and his word is true. Um, I know this through my personal experience. I know this through hearing the experiences of others. I know this of hearing testimonies of people I don't even know. Um, and I know this through faith. And I think it becomes a very slippery, uneven path when you allow yourself to question that. When you realize you have to go, wait, is God who he says he is? Once the Lord has given you certainty, I think you have to cling to that. Um, and sometimes, you know, in that situation, you're like, oh, is God who he says he is? But I know that I know. And so I didn't even kind of let my mind go there um, because of the evidence I already had. And so that was kind of my wrestling with that one. Um, and then so it kind of, you know, what that led me to was actually that the stories of healing in the Bible, therefore, are historical accounts. They're real accounts. They're not um, like metaphors and they're not um, representative of something you can't see. The, the physical acts of healing in the Bible were historic accounts. Um, and that means that the verse is about God being a healer, a truth. Um, so very easy. Option one was out. Um, God does heal because his word says. Um, in Exodus fifteen twenty six, he declares, I am the Lord that heals you. So I have to believe it. I choose to believe it. Which led me with possibly option number two, um, that God is a healer, but for whatever reason is not healing me. Um, this is where the enemy knows that I have a personal weak point, um, and that's disqualification. I don't know about any of you guys, but whenever I read the Gospels and I'd read about like Jesus like walking along the path and coming to like the blind man and heals him, I always thought if that was me and I was in Jesus' time, I was probably the one on like the street over. That like he just like missed, like he didn't like walk past him on the way. Um, I always thought, you know, what about the blind man whose sight didn't get restored? What about the lame person who didn't have friends strong enough to lower him through a roof and so remained paralyzed? Um, yeah, I had, I've always had this niggling insecurity that there's this inner circle and outer circle of Christians, and the inner ones are the ones that, and I'm not sure if any of you guys feel this as, as well, but, and the inner ones are the ones that get the healing, and the ones that, I don't know, speak in tongues, and the ones, and the outer circle are the ones that kind of just believe, um, and hope for the best, um, and so yeah, I thought that, you know, if I was in a crowded room, I probably wouldn't be the one that Jesus notices, um, at a concert and looking out and seeing so many people I can't even remember what concert it was and I remember thinking like how cool it would feel to be like singled out by the person on the on the stage but thinking like that probably wouldn't be me I don't know why that was just the disqualification that I felt um, but praise God God has done a transformative work in me over the past couple years um, and I know that there's no disqualification in his kingdom I know that the inner circle outer circle thing is complete lie um, Romans 12 11 says for God does not show favoritism he has the capacity to see everyone and to miss nothing. There's the song um, by Amanda Cook, and it says, you don't miss a thing. And it says, in a room of 10,000, you don't miss a thing. And maybe in our human mind, we don't understand how that's possible, but he would see everybody in that stadium, and he would point to each of them, and he would see each of them. Um, so he has the capacity to see everyone and to miss nothing. So I knew that there was no disqualification. Option number two, I was like, mm. But to further disqualify, question option two, to further discredit it as being a valid option, I want to take us back to the identity of God. As I mentioned, and as you can see on your handout, the identity of God is rich and deep. Every single one of those names reflects, a, like, is a promise of his identity. Malachi 3.6 and Hebrews 13.8 declare that God is always is the same always, that he never changes. 
God is the same from the beginning of time to the end of time and every day in between. So if God is the same yesterday, today and forever, then these names are like core, central, integral qualities to who he is. He cannot not be himself. Um, He is the very definition of these words and so everything he does from the beginning to the end of time are the definition of those words. Um, I think a key difference between God and humans is God's consistency of character. Um, I'm going to use love as an example. Um, God's name, Elohim Chastity, declares he is a God of loving kindness. So that's his name. He's a God of loving kindness. John, 1 John 4, 8 explicitly states God is love. Now humans can show loving actions, but humans are not love itself. So therefore, some expressions or actions that you, humans have will be loving. Others will be not loving. We can be more loving or less loving, but we're not love itself. God is love itself. He doesn't dip in and out of love, being sometimes loving and sometimes not, like humans do. Every single thing that God has done from beginning to end of time will be loving because it is impossible for him to be anything but. Him forming the Garden of Eden was loving. Him creating consequence for Adam and Eve's sin was loving. Him giving his people free will is loving. Him leading his people out of slavery was loving. Him leaving his people in slavery had to have been loving. Him flooding the earth had to have been loving. Him letting Job suffer with loss and physical ailment had to have been loving. Him sending his son to die on a cross was loving. Him giving victory in battle was loving. Him raising Jesus from the dead was loving. God doesn't perform loving actions. God is love. And so all of his actions are inherently loving. It is impossible for God not to love even for a moment. It is the same with all the other aspects of his identity. God is just. So it is impossible for him to do anything unjust. God is creator. So he is always creating. God is holiness. He cannot do anything unholy. God is a healer, so everything he does is healing. Our problem is that we limit God by interpreting him through our own definitions, our definition of what love is, our definition of what justice is, our definition of what healing is. And I, even when I was talking to Brett this morning, um, and I said our place, oh, I'm not sure if you should say the whole flooding of the earth has been loving. Um, and I was like, I don't understand how it is, but I know it must be because God is loving. And I don't feel scared to like, say that because I don't know how it works. I don't know the def- what, how love is defined, but God does. And if he did it, then we know it's loving and we know it's just and we know it's holy and we know it's healing. Um, Like Andrew spoke on last week, it's us that boxes God in. I would go so far as to say that we humanize God by assuming he displays qualities like we do rather than defines qualities like he does. We interpret God as though he is human and partial to some people and not others. Like, and I know I've said these kinds of things like, oh, God would not love me today. (laughs) Or um, God's just not healing me, I guess. It is impossible. It is impossible for him not to be himself. It is impossible for him to flit between loving and not loving, between healing and not healing, between being jealous for us and not jealous for us, because this wouldn't, then it wouldn't be his very identity. Does this make sense? 
Okay, cool. Um, so going back to my journey through eczema and looking at option two, is God a healer but just isn't healing me? This is impossible. He cannot be a healer but choose not to heal me because he is impartial and his very nature is to heal. He's in the business of healing and so healing is pouring out of him from the beginning to the end of time. So my only option left was option three, that God is a healer and he is healing me. This seems like the most logical, um, the most rational, the most evidence-based, um, except for one small detail, and that's that my hands are still covered in unrelenting eczema. Um, but I'd gotten to this point. God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. God is always Jehovah Rapha, which means he is always healing and is always in the business of healing. So I was like, what then am I missing, Lord? Um, firstly, I was missing a heavenly perspective. I firstly had to acknowledge that because God loves me and cares for me, then ultimately he is more concerned with the state of my spirit than the state of my body. He would rather my body suffer temporarily than my spirit suffer eternally. So he would allow me to go through physical pain or suffering to bring my attention to something he wants to address spiritually. And I think there's a difference between the Lord giving you sickness and the Lord allowing sickness. And I think in the book of Job, it makes that clear that God allowed it. Um, and so, yeah, he will allow me to go through physical pain or suffering to bring my attention to something that he wants to address spiritually. And the Lord used eczema to get my attention. God is always healing, and so he will heal what he knows is most urgent, most pressing, and most important. A surgeon won't go to a car crash victim and rush to like treat the grazed elbow. He will get in there, and he will stabilize the vital organs, and he will deal with those life-threatening issues first. Likewise, I came to believe that God was doing the same in me, that if I asked for healing and he isn't dealing with the eczema, then he is dealing with, he is healing something bigger, something more important to him and something more important to my eternal self. So I reminded myself that God is who he says he is, that I'm asking for healing, that he has heard me, that he is Jehovah Rapha with the capacity to heal. So if physical feeling is, healing is not yet happening, then it means he's trying to heal something I can't see. And the only way that that spiritual healing will come to the surface must have been if my physical healing was temporarily withheld. And by golly, it was. Um, the Lord brought up comparison, deep comparison, that I didn't even know was there. He dealt with impatience. He dealt with vanity and pride. He, dealt, he highlighted a slipping back into a performance and productivity orientation. My Jehovah Rapha heard my prayer. He was healing what was most important to him in his timing. The second thing I was missing was highlighted by Andrew last week. I strongly recommend you go back and listen to his sermon if you haven't already. Um, but he spoke about being ready for God to do a new thing and not boxing God in to how he'd done things in the past. And I realized that weirdly, even by praying for healing in the way that I was, I was boxing God in. I was boxing God in by assuming he wasn't healing because he wasn't healing the eczema in the way that I thought he would, 
which, if you're interested, is through a miraculous moment. Um, I truly thought I had, the, and I had the faith that I would pray, could pray, or wake up one morning, or follow a command, um, and my skin would be renewed. Um, you remember the story in the Bible and how um, Jesus like tells someone to go down. I think it's to a pool and be like swim in the pool and then they'd be healed or he like got dirt and smudged it on someone's eyes and then they could see. I was like, I just need like a really funky command like that, like something out of the box. I kid you not, one time I was down on the beach and it was like really cold and I was like, maybe if I just get in the ocean. And I was like, Lord, is it the ocean? Will the ocean heal me? And I was waiting and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go in halfway. So I went in halfway and I was like, this doesn't feel like healing. <laughs> this doesn't feel like healing. Anyway, so I truly had faith. Um, I also had the scriptures. Um, Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Luke 11, 9, everyone who asks receives. Jeremiah thirty seventeen. I will restore health unto thee, said the Lord. Matthew 7, 9 to 11, which one of you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more then will he who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So in the end, as you can see, God did heal me. He did heal me. Um, and he didn't heal me in the way that I expected. He healed me through a miraculous series of events where I was able to where mum knew someone who knew someone who came around to her house to pick up grapefruits and that person happened to be a dermatologist at the clinic I got declined from and said, oh, though it's a week before closing, I'll slip you in. I was able to afford the appointment through the grace of God. I was able to take time off work to attend the appointment. When my hands were bad, I was able to take sick leave to recover from that. I was able to get an oral steroid drug to bring my skin under control. I was able to get prescribed a cream, which is doing wonders at managing the eczema. And I'm able to continue getting this cream fully subsidized. These are miracles. Um, and who am I to discredit or disregard these as miracles straight from God's hand just because other people were involved? Just because money was involved? Just because time was involved? James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. And I realized that I missed that. I had the, I had the dermatology appointment and I was like, Oh, it did nothing. I was like, that was a complete waste of time. Could buy $450. Like, I was like, oh, that didn't do anything. And it's like, failed to see that, like, that was a miracle from God's hand. I was standing in the ocean, like, half freezing, but like, Lord, heal me. And he's like, you literally have an appointment next week. Um, <laughs> and I think that is what so often we miss, um, is that we run the risk of over-spiritualizing God and only thinking, you know, that it's me and God and so healing will come straight from him to me or love will come straight from God to me or, you know, whatever it is will come straight, provision will come straight from God to me. Sometimes God uses other people and sometimes God takes time and sometimes God requires a surrendering of your finances. Um, and so who are we to disregard or discredit these sort of things as miracles straight from God's hand simply because there are other things involved? Doesn't that further testify to God's goodness that he is weaving all these people, all these situations together for his glory and for my benefit? So here I leave you with this little testimony and I leave you with my learnings from it. That God is the definition of qualities and not the displayer of them. That God is always totally, impartially these things. That God cares more about your spiritual healing than your physical comfort. And that God's miracles do not always come in the way that we expect.
To close off, I thought that I would share a poem with you. I have no idea what the time is, but I trust that I'm all good. Um, to close off, I thought that I would share a poem with you that I wrote over this time. Um, and it's based on the scripture, um, Matthew 7, 9 to 11. Which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more then will he who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Um, and the poem is called The Portion. And I want to kind of, as I speak this, I kind of want to speak this and pray this over each one of you. Um, you need not be wearied by your life, the position I have placed you in. I did not portion weariness for you. I portioned freedom. I promised it to you. So cling to it and walk in me. Do you believe that I will do what I said, that I will give you what I said I would? Which father, when asked for bread, will give a stone? When asked for fish, will give a snake? Which father, when asked for healing, will give sickness? When asked for peace, gives overwhelm? When asked for relief, gives burdens? Not my father, not my God. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you humbled and grateful for everything that you are. I thank you, God, that you are everything. You are more than enough. You are more than enough for every circumstance, for every position we find ourselves in. Father, if we want somebody to be jealous over us, Lord, you're right there. If we need somebody to comfort us, Father, you are our wonderful counsellor. When we need someone to sanctify us, Jehovah, you are there. When we need somebody to provide for us, you are there. I thank you that there is nothing that you are not that we need. Father, I pray for each person in this room that they would have a fresh, a renewed, a new understanding, Father, an experience of you being who you are to them. I pray that as they walk away, Lord, that the names, your names, would stick so close to their heart, Lord, that it would be under their skin, that it would be in the back of their mind and that they know that there is nothing that you have not already gone before, nothing they need that you cannot meet. I pray that we would press into you, Father. We would press into your heart. We would press into your identity, and we would find ourselves there. I thank you for everything that you taught me um, and for giving me the privilege of sharing it today, Lord. I ask that you would give each person in this room experiences of your identity, that you would be exactly who they need. We already know you are when they need it, Lord. Thank you for being God. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being our Father and our Master. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't that amazing?